Today on the Tim Miner Podcast Show, we've got Danny Astorita. Astorita. Astorita, perfect. Fucking love that name, mate. The reason you're here is my friend, Ryan Standish, messaged me and said, look, you need to get my mate Danny on the podcast. I have absolutely no clue what you do. That's fine. Right? That's fine. What do you do? So I part own uh, with a series of investors, but I'm a managing director of two businesses, Kessler's London and Proportion London. They are design and manufacturing businesses of retail furniture, retail space, activations, pop-up shops, mannequins in London, servicing um, all of the UK, Northern Europe. Um, Fucking hell, mate. Incredible brands, Charlotte Tilbury, L'Oreal, Sainsbury's, as the do internals, externals, um, retail design. So that's how I know Ryan, because he's obviously in the print game, yeah, so he's yeah, got some yeah, of the same yeah. customers. Why has he asked you to come on? Why is he... Why has he said you need to get Danny on? I love this. Probably because I asked him. Um, well, so I, me and Ryan speak quite often and, and yeah. um, I, I think he's such a great guy. And we, we mostly have a one-dimensional conversation about work and we sort of tear the industry apart and tear it down and build it up again, congratulate each other on uh, successes and failures. And, as, as a, and um, he, it, for some reason it came up, I was like, I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do something like that. He's like, oh, I know Tim really well. He'd probably have you on. I'm like, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And then I... Then I listened to him, he, him, his show, and I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> because that's not the Ryan I know. Right? The Ryan I know is, is this, you know, print this and product that. Yeah. He's like, I want him as my life coach. I want him as a mentor. Yeah. He's so interesting and so deep to listen to. Agreed, mate. So it made me so nervous. And then something else happened that made me even more nervous. I was... Um, I was speaking to my ops director, who's my like my work ballast, which yeah, she's the opposite of me in, in every way possible. She said, "What are you doing tomorrow?" I said, well, "I'm going up to do the podcasting." I told you. She went, "Yeah, but I didn't think you'd do it." I went, "Why?" She went, "Pull a face. It's not really your medium, is it?" I went, "All I've got in life is talking. Right? I'm, a, I'm a fact effectively a sales guy who's become an MD by pure luck rather than anything else. If I can't talk to people, I am fucked. Right? Literally, am because." And she said, no, it's not your medium. You, you kind of talk yourself into circles. I'm like, so all the, all the drive up here, it's like four hours, I'm like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I'm going to embarrass myself. So I'm really relying on you to make sure I don't do that. <laughs> Keep me on task, right? So yeah, um, that's why we're here, because Brian basically done me a favour. What is your background? Where, where have you come from then? Have, have you started this, being the MD of a business, where did that come from? Did you ever want to do that in the first place? What was your... I, so no, I, do you know what I, people? I don't even know what I want to do now. Is the honest truth? Like I, I, I listen to um, several of you, several of your other guests, and, and they've all got a really great story to tell, and a lot of them have found themselves. And mine feels a bit more like luck or unluck. You know, a bit, bit more. Um, I've kind of fallen into it. I love the industry. I never really had it up designs on being an MD. Um, what happened was, I worked for a business um, after university um, because I was working in the factory during university. I'm a, failed, I'm a failed sportsman. I've basically tried every single sport and failed at them all. And found my way into an in industry, packing boxes after university, during university for a bit of pocket money. Took a job as a project manager, terrible project manager, really, really bad. Found my way into sales. They, instead of sacking me, they gave me a, a, a go at selling and, and, and kind of was reasonably good at it. So I've always been able to talk to people and sell things, although my office director doesn't think so. Um, Worked way through three businesses to become a sales director in a business that we went in at 12 million with a brief to grow it to 30, which we did over two, three years. We took a business from 12 to 30 million and 
from a top line sales story, it was, it was a hugely successful um, sales story. But we weren't making any money. We weren't making any money. Yeah. Um, so at that time, private equity decided that it wasn't, wasn't for them anymore. They were going to close the doors. My MD had left the business three months before under sort of a sort of shroud, really. So I was the last statutory director in the business. So I then had to make private equity walked away. I was there. I made 180 people redundant. Fifth worst day of my life. Worst working day of my life. How do you do something like that? Tears in your eyes. Um, you know, it was the 14th. No experience in doing that. Never. 14th of December. So pre just pre, pre Christmas. Um, you know what? Yeah. Never, I never would wish it on anybody. It was it's absolutely horrible. You've got people screaming at you, people shouting, people crying, all the emotions, and you're kind of there taking it going, I don't really know what to say. So that all happens. Every single person you talk to. Yeah, so we've done it in a group, um, and it, to everybody at the same time, and then we tried to speak to everybody individually afterwards. Gosh, that's like indirect trauma, that, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was awful. Um, you know, my, my wife was seven months pregnant at the time, um, and... I was like, mm. these people have been really let down from, you know, these people were, some of them on minimum wage, factory workers that have been there 30, 30 years in some examples. It definitely isn't their fault. You know, it, it, mm. it's decisions that have been made at the, the top table that have led them here. So the business closed down the business had been around for 125 years and for 123 of them, it had made money and made good money. Administrators came in and they had absolutely no desire to do anything other than collect out the, collect out the money and, and, and that was it really. So I set about creating a business plan for taking some of that 30 million into, into a new business. Um, worked all over Christmas, um, put something together, took it out to the market, took it to send it to anybody what was I could think of. It was basically a business plan that took the best bits of the old business. So it took the manufacturing, yeah. it didn't take the outsourced business, which wasn't right. the bit that was losing money. It took the factory people back into, back into work. And it basically started Kessler's London, which, you know, making retail furniture for brands spoke to our customers and said we're going to try and do this guys will you stay with us will you put some faith in us and almost without without design they all kind of said yes they all said we'll give you a go we'll start off small we'll see how you go because you've done us such a good job for a long time they're believing in you well, i think me to a degree but i think be believing in the vision um as well and the vision you know i put it down on paper and it's really easy to to create something that looks sexy on paper, but actually the execution of the vision has always been about the people that, that came back day one. What, what is the vision to you, Dan? What, what's <laughs> to take to take the thirty million of the of, of the old business, which was was you know turnovers vanity, to take that take to take that back down to a level that we could understand, that we could get back to our knitting. You know, we were a manufacturing business. Our culture was a manufacturer's, yeah. not a procurement business, not an outsourcing business, not a doing work in Germany in a market that we don't understand with tax laws that we don't understand. Get back to what we understand, which is about UK manufacturing in East London. Um, and being, a, being, being more responsible, being a responsible um, customer, being a responsible supplier, being a responsible employer, because I watched other people do it really badly, treat staff really badly, for sometimes through design, but sometimes just through sort of complacency. Um, so we, we set about the plan having was supposed to make money, you know, we're not, we're not communist. It was, to, yeah. it was to create a business that had a sensible level of turnover, that was a good platform for all of our stakeholders, but made some money, you know. Um, we put that out to everybody because we needed to buy it. You know, we needed to buy it off the administrator to do this. And I, you know, 
a kid that was due in a month's time. I had one, a one-year-old, so I've got two that are 14 months apart. Wow. Don't really have chunky sums No experience in this either. No, no experience, no experience. You just, just believed in this vision. Just watched people make mistakes and just thought yeah, there's different ways of doing it. Super, um, But didn't have the cash to do it myself, so I went out to market and found some investors who also believed in the plan. Never um, approached the investors before? No, no, literally, I sent it to a hundred people, um, was, was the account, if I found you on, if you were connected with me on LinkedIn, you got a message. If you're a private equity company, you got a message. I sent it to anybody that I could have access to. Um, we got about, we met with about, over Christmas, we met with people Boxing Day, we met with about 20 people between the 14th of December and the 16th of January, which was when we completed the deal with a group of investors um, who believed in the plan, um, which is... 20 months now and we're, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. We posted our first year results, so they're good. And then we go again this year. Let me ask, let me talk to you about sales, Danny, and, and what, what actually, what is sales? I, I struggle with it a little bit. I've, I talked to Standish about it and actually, um, you know, when, when I actually think about it, I actually be quite a good salesman, but like I, I've got such a negative connotation with someone who's a salesman, if you know what I mean. What is, what is, what is a salesman and how to be a good salesman? I think I think it's absolutely changed, and I think it's industry dependent. Um, but my my favourite film is, is is Wolf of Wall Street. It's it's hilarious. It's brilliant. But that's not sales. That yeah. for me, that's not how that's not sales anymore. Sales is sales is essentially taking people on a journey, and we work we work with 12, 12 businesses. So I'm not really selling to them every single day. We're building a relationship. Yeah. So. You, we're sitting in, in this room and you've got this really cool branding. You're selling right now. I walked in here and, I, and, and, we, and, and I've gone, this is a really cool building. You've got some really cool people here. Go, Yesterday I spoke to my team about, we need a new website. Your front of house person spoke to me and said, oh, we do websites. Let's have a chat. You're selling without knowing you're selling. You can sell through so many different ways. Right. Your marketing, your branding, the way yeah. that you communicate to people. Ultimately, it's really cliche, but people do buy people. Yeah. I, I want to work with people that I want to work with. And so if my customers want to work with me, they'll work with me because if they trust me, oh, we're selling a product as well. So if my product's good, they'll buy it. Mm. And then it's about being a bit of a chameleon. It's about adapting to who you're in. If you're in a boardroom with a big executive at a big blue chip company, which happens to us on occasions, it's about being in a shirt and tie and it's about being professional and about being really slick with your numbers. But if you're in a, a a beauty brand who, who you're selling because you're taking your customers out for lunch and you're having a, a nice time and you're talking about design and aesthetics that's also selling so it's about adapting to the situation that you're in for me how do you do, how do you if you've not got that within you how do you learn something like that i think it's hard to learn i think i think there's different that you can you can deploy different salespeople into different industries in, in my space. So yeah. there's people that would always be able to sell into beauty brands and there's people that would always be able to sell into retail because the sales is, is, is slightly, slightly different. And the real skill is in, in, in selling and where Ryan is good is having this sort of ability to adapt to the situation and being able to talk to people on different levels. But staying, but where, where Ryan is really good is he's very genuine. Yeah, yeah. There's no hairs or graces, there's no, yeah. he adapts he doesn't adapt to a point where he's not himself right now we talked about this before yeah. with him about like putting like different masks on the um, I forgot the, the Japanese philosophy like three masks about business friends and family and then the mask you put on yourself yeah I feel that you know people change and put this mask on there but it's 
they forget about that mask there and they're kind of putting it on that's totally not them and they're putting a false facade. Absolutely, that mask can fall off so easily. And if that mask falls off, you, you, you know, people lose confidence, they lose trust yeah. because everything else you tell them is, 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 is not worth the paper it's written on. Yeah. So you can, you can adapt and you can, you can have subtle changes in, in your personality and behaviours or even dress sense with you, if you. But you can't hide who you are and you can't hide who your business is. And your business should be a reflection of you, I think, and the people in it should be a reflection of you. So we have a core set of values that we really stick rigidly to and it's about respect, it's about how we treat people. So I don't care if you're the you're the cleaner or you're the, 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 the investors, you're getting the same treatment, you know, you're getting the same attitude from me, you're getting the same challenges or pushback. Um, because otherwise you go home and you're not true to yourself and then you, you know, you're not true to yourself at work, you're not true to yourself at home. Um, but you know, keeping the masks separate and entwined is, is the real challenge as well. So yeah, it's the real challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think you've got to be, you know, you can't completely separate from work when you go home. Mm. You can't. It's, it, you know, it's, it's I do like life. the chameleon um, analogy of the fact you basically, all you do, you're still a chameleon, you're just changing the colours to the environment. Yeah, so that's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You're always a chameleon. Yeah, and I think I think having people around you um, is, 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 you know, having other other chameleons, other people around you to call you out as well on your, on your, um, I was going to swear. Chameleon-like tendencies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like, like my, I know I didn't take too kindly to it. My ops director called me out and said, you talk too much or, you know, yeah. so, having that I respect balance, that, mate. Yeah, I think you have to have those people around you. Like my wife's absolutely that person in my, in, in my personal mm -hmm. life, you know, she'll call bullshit 10 times a day if she thinks I'm going into that work sales pattern on, on her doesn't watch yeah I love it I mean Charlotte I don't think you've met Charlotte she put a post now I didn't know she was putting it out it was a Halloween costume but like I was in the Halloween costume that it, you know this is the Tim Marley it had a dog and the vape and the what's it and then I had somebody message me and just say how amazing that culture you set up that the, your actual the person that you work with can actually take the piss out of you yeah and I'm like, yeah, it's just, that's, that's, it's so important that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's the ultimate sign of respect, to be honest, is, is, is that they're comfortable enough to, to call you out and, and to have a joke and have a laugh. And, and, yeah. and if you're being an idiot, call you an idiot. You know, we have a rule in, in, in my senior management team group, which is a group of six of us. So I'm the boss, you know, and, but there's six of us in this senior management team and two hours a week we'll meet and do our management meetings. Job, type, job titles do not matter in that meeting. I don't care if, if I'm the boss, you call me an idiot if I'm an idiot. Out in front of people, we have a bit more of a, you know, a bit more of a hierarchy and there's a bit more... There's a certain respect yeah, to be on. Because you need it, because otherwise, you know, culturally, you need to have a, a you know, in, especially in a factory, you've got health and safety, all of the various things that go working yeah, with heavy yeah, machinery. Yeah. In SMT, job titles off the table and everyone's got an opinion on, on, on every facet of the business. So whether you work in sales, or procurement or production, you can mm. have an opinion on what other people are doing in their roles because none of us are, none of us know everything. You know, you asked me the question about being an MD. I'd done it because there was a gap and I took a plan and someone had to do it and I stepped up. That doesn't make me a good MD. It just means I spotted an opportunity. You know, I haven't been on an MD training course. I haven't been trained to do it for two years. So what I know is is ten percent of what I should know. So hopefully, with an SMT and a management team that. They can boost that ten percent to ninety percent, and then you can seek, you can seek the balance from outside influences and stuff. But what's been your most challenging bit of this sort of process going through it, Dan? What's so the redundancies was 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 the worst bit for me by far, yeah. by far and away. It's the fifth worst day of my life, worst professional day of my life, and I don't ever want to go back to that again. 
So nothing else really compares to that that day. Because everything else for me is an opportunity. Because when we started it, it was almost like, is it going to work? We weren't really sure if it was going to work. And then it started to work and it was okay, okay. So everything else felt like a bit of a bonus after that day because that was the ultimate low. I guess the the challenge, the ongoing challenge is the balance between home life and work life. Yeah. Because I could be consumed by work. But I'm very, and I think work would probably benefit from that in the short term. In the long term, it, it absolutely wouldn't because I would be a very bad dad, husband, friend, and all the other things that go with it. So I try really, really hard to leave work on time, to get home and do bath and bed with my kids um, before they go to bed, read them a story. My wife's got a hectic job. She's a head teacher in a special needs school. So sometimes we'll both go back to work after the kids are asleep for an hour and tidy up a few emails. But that two hours after work before kids' bed is really important to me. And that balance is really, really important. That's hard, but it's important. What's, you said that was number five, your redundancy. Yeah. What was number one? So number, number five is it, um, it, redundancy. Number one is, is, is a joint first. Um, my, I'm going to say my mum was my stepmom, but I, in my mind I have two mums. And my mum died um, and my best friend died. Um, and they are joint. How long ago was that? Mum died when I was 24, um, and my best friend died when I was 32, and they were the two of the they were the two worst days in 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 my life. Um, and then just below that is is the IVF journey and um, losing losing a, a a baby during having a miscarriage during IVF. That was absolutely horrendous and awful as well. IVF is is um, one of the worst experiences of my life, ongoing experiences. Amazing end result, yeah. amazing end result, but. Anybody going through that, anybody that's going through an IVF journey right now, absolute sympathy to it. It's the hardest experience I've ever been through. Why? Why is that? I think because... I've not got a clue, mate. So me and my wife um, tried, for, tried for children for three years before it wasn't working, went through IVF. It took five rounds of IVF. How much does something like that cost? Total cost for us was £75,000. Wow. Um, which we didn't have, it come through credit cards and borrowing money from family and friends and everything like that. And I think that's why one of the reasons it's hard, the financial pressure on that is on really top of hard. It. Yeah. The emotion is incredibly powerful, you know. I think, because you never, you're never completely in, in agreement as to what you do. You know, do you go again? Do you, do you stop and have a year off? For us, we went four times and it had failed. We lost the baby on the fourth time and I didn't want to go for the fifth time. I was adamant I wasn't doing it. And it was my wife who convinced me. And I, I said to her, if we do this and it doesn't work and you push me to go again, we will break. We, it, it will be the end of us. And I love my wife to infinity and back. But it was, you know, we'd spent five years doing this. We were going through, we we're missing out on so much holidays because of the money, you know, missing out on holidays and life experiences in our early thirties. And I'm like, this is some of the best years of our lives that we're kind of almost wasting. Constant arguments, constant emotion. I was like, I won't do it again. We did it on the fifth time and it was two days before COVID lockdown. And if it got two days later, they wouldn't have done it. It would have closed all the clinics and it worked. Absolute miracle. It was the last one we had. It was, we never would have done it again or we would have broken up and it worked. And now I've got a three-year-old this month. And it mad that that's worked. I mean, like the, the fifth the, time. The maths of it are, are, are absolutely staggering but the journey to get there you feel like what how do you feel about universe something looking out for you in that moment are you thinking so as a general rule 
I'm, I'm not really a believer in, in, in that. I'm, I'm an absolute, I, I'm, I'm an atheist. I, I believe that we're here, we get one shot of life and you take your chance and you should live every moment of it. And there is no great master plan for any of us. It's all, it's all luck or unluck. But I look at that and I go, the mass of that are just yeah, yeah, yeah. staggering. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is something out there. I'd like to think it's, you know, if it's anything, it's karma. Maybe I deserve it because we, 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 we try and be good people in life. We try and do all the right things. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then five months later, so my boy took five years, five months later, my daughter took probably six and a half minutes. You know, we never thought it could happen naturally. It hadn't happened naturally for seven years previously. We'd had a big row, I remember it vividly. We were walking through Chelmsford Town Centre. She said, I'm going to pop into Primark. I'm like, I don't go into Primark because I've got to be a thing about fast fashion and sustainability. <laughs> so I waited in the coffee shop. Yeah. She was bloody ages. And she came out with so many bags. And I was like, this was obviously on the back of IVF, back of um, having, you know, spending all that money, owing people money, going, what have you spent all this money on? You joined a gym yesterday. That's 100 quid a month. We've got no money. What are you spending money for? Big row in Chelmsford Town Centre. Got back in the car after about an hour of arguing, didn't talk to each other all the way home, got up, I went downstairs, she went upstairs. I thought, I've been a real dick here. You know, she's done a baby, she's joined a gym, she wants to get her body back and she deserves that. And she's gone to Primark. It's not like she's gone to Vivian Westwood, she's gone to Primark. I've been a real dick here. So I went upstairs, gave her a big sorry and cuddle and then we ended up doing what you do. First time since my boy had been born. Two days later, we go on holiday, we're drinking and, and, and you know, She's eating soft cheese and all the food she shouldn't. Come back from the holiday, she came down the stairs and said, I'm pregnant. I'm like, we've only done it once. Like, how can that happen? Like, I went white. I was like, we've got to sell the house, we've got to sell the cars, we won't cope financially. I, I hit, I went into absolute anxiety mode. And I really regret that actually, because I never got that experience to go, oh my God, that's amazing. Like you see on the TV or you see other, other stories about all this, this excitement. I went into panic mode and the practical side of me kicked in. I was like, sell the cars, sell the house, we need to move. Mm. This is the worst thing that can happen. We can't afford to live. Until my baby, until my daughter was born, nine months later, you don't care about it anymore. If I'm destitute, I don't care because I've got this new precious thing and yeah. now I've kind of got this perfect nuclear family, you know, um, boy and a girl. And I never really thought I would change the way I changed in terms of being a dad. What do you mean? All from my 20s weren't bothered for kids yeah. at all. Living the life you'd like, you live in, in your 20s, living in London, yeah. living the life, traveling, holidays, running up bills. Early 30s, um, eventually got married, called a wedding off before that, but eventually got married. And once you wanted to have kids, I was like, all right, we can have kids if you want, you know, fine. <laughs> once it happens, it's the best thing in the world. And it's so cliche and you hear people talk about it all the time, but I never thought it would happen. I never thought I'd be any good at it either. I thought I'd be a terrible dad. Um, and I think I'm not doing all right. I think I'm doing all right. I think so. They're, they're well-adjusted kids, they're happy, and we make a real effort with them. And um, yeah, and it is, I, I enjoy it a lot. Where's the holistic side of you come, the psychology kind of side of you within businesses in your life? Because you've, you've got quite a, mindfulness about you about like the psychology of things and you know you sitting downstairs your wife's upstairs and you thought oh wait a minute and Primark she's not sitting with Westwood she's you know what I mean that yeah. in itself is mindfulness mate and, and, and almost a it is I mean I'm, I'm a very reactive person yeah. so the reaction was the argument and me getting annoyed that we'd spent 
300 quid in Primark or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I do need that time afterwards, post event, to reflect and go, I made mistakes. Because in well, the a lot of people don't do that, Dan. A lot of people just carry, carry that shit on. They do. I but mean, you I, caught yourself. I think if my wife's listened to this, she will say that she says sorry more than I say sorry. And she's probably better at it than me. And it was yeah. probably the odd occasion because I am, I am quite. Um, that was probably a, a quick transverse from being annoyed to being. But that was because of the baby and because of actually what. But generally, in argument, she's a much better person than me. You know, she will always be the one that comes and said, we need to sort this out. We need to say sorry. I'm, I'm, I am quite reactive and um, an emotional guy um, and I'm, I'm a bit like that in business as well actually and that's kind of why the, the, my SMT are absolutely opposite of that yeah. you know I surround myself with ballast if you like people to say you, you, you're getting too emotional you're fixating on the wrong things and actually but even you saying that knowing that you need those people yeah. around you yeah that part of it I, I do recognise in myself yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely do recognise my, my, my it's very spiritual in sense yeah and I, I guess you know it's, it's, it's Spirituality, spirituality terrible, yeah. terrible pronunciation is, is really interesting because it, it's, it's so varied it can come mm. in so many different ways like you can yeah. you know we, we're sat here with, 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 with Buddha and, and, and you could be that that type of spiritual yeah. or you can just be a bit more reflective and, 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 and self-critical and things like that yeah. and that can that can all come under the same guise for me I totally I mean something I've been really thinking about recently is like um Gaz, you've not met Gaz, he's my other creative. Like, he's probably one of the most spiritual people you ever did, but he hates spirituality. Really? Yeah, and, and it, it, just the way he approaches things and branding jobs and the psychology of it, how it connects with people, that in itself is just spirituality for me. But it's just not, it, it doesn't need a label on it, does it? No, it doesn't. Because I think if you try and label it, I think people can become a bit more reticent to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm off to India on Sunday. Oh, amazing. Um, and I'm going to India with one person I know reasonably well and two people I've never met before purely because it's India and I'm going for that cultural experience oh, and that sort of mate. absolute you know flooding of the senses of different things that I've yeah. never experienced and I feel really guilty because I'm going away from my, 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 my wife and two kids what did she say about that? Um, <laughs> what did she say? she says you better buy me a good present she says that she recognises that I'm better for it, so I don't. I never. I do. I do it very rarely, but I do do nights out once a month or twice a month because with, with a group of friends, and I am a better person for it because yeah. it is my, it is a release, and it is you know whether it's out go karting or whether it's out drinking or clubbing or whatever it is, or just sitting in the, the, the pool room at home playing pool with a group of mates. I need that. Um, camaraderie I need that banter I yeah. need that that connection exactly yeah. with and, and my wife can give me 99% of that but you need that for, for me that 1% needs to come from somewhere else yeah. um, so she's she she recognises that in me I'm a better person when I have these these outside experiences yeah. and I will miss them incredibly and I'll be on the phone to them three times a day FaceTime anything like that yeah. um, and it's changed actually It's because I've been really busy at work over the last three weeks so I'm, I've been really vacant on the WhatsApp group and it started off as my mate's 40th and it's really up and coming going to Goa it's, it's kind of new party club scene yeah. and it's, it's kind of gone down to this everyone's sort of talking about starting their detox on Monday because it's got you know, vegetarian food and you know we've got a yoga teacher in the in the hotel that does yoga classes and part of me's like yeah I want to do that and the other part of me's like I need to get back on this WhatsApp group because that's not what I'm going for. It's, it's ATP, a bottle of premium lager. We should be going out and having an amazing time and, and tearing it up and coming back with a hangover. Yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting week. Can we um, 
are you alright talking about your mum a little bit? Yeah, of course, yeah. Can you talk to me about the, the effect that that had on you? And what, and how, how did you pass, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I, I have... Um, I, so I have a mum who is alive and is amazing and is incredible, and she's my birth mum. Um, yeah. My mum and dad split up when I was one, and they, my dad got remarried when I was three. Mm-hmm. So when we say mum, I said technically step-mum, but I, in my, I've always thought I grew up with two mums. And the mum that we're talking about is... Um, was always the connection between me and my dad. So I reckon my dad is, um, is, a, is, a, is a, he works incredibly hard, he's, he's relatively successful. Um, and I, some of the traits in business I probably pick up from him, works with big charities and he's done a lot of things internationally. I don't think he would look at his role as a dad when I was younger and go, I was the most present father, you know, coming to watch football or watching me run you know seeing him once a week I don't think he would look at that and I think my my mum that passed was that sort of she was the buffer for us she brought us together she made him do things with me when he was really busy um, and she was she was a mum but she was just cool you know she, she was the only person that I knew at that age that had been to university she was what made me want to go to university um, she you know she was very open in, when I was a bit older about that she, she experimented with drugs and things like that we had these really honest conversations um, and we, we I remember going to the hospital and she told me she was going to die and we had a year and we had planned all this amazing stuff to do in a year we were going to go do trips we were going to go to Wimbledon and we didn't get it um, we didn't get that year she, um, she, she, she passed 12 weeks later Wow. Yeah, so um, pancreatic cancer, it took hold of her really quickly. Um, I was there when she passed. Um, so we spent 12 weeks um, looking after her in the hospice every day, slept there. Didn't go to my university graduation um, because I wanted to be with her. Um, you know, she was just cool. We would play PlayStation together. We, you know, my dad would never do that. My mum, who I love, we can talk about her separately, but she wouldn't never do that. She had five kids. It, it was a really cool relationship. She never tried to be a mum. I called her a mum. She was, I would say, she was Jill. Um, but she just brought something into my life that I didn't have from anywhere else, um, you know, and tying me and my dad together to try and make us as close as was, was going to be possible was, was really important as well. Hyper intelligent, so intelligent, you know, had a degree and, and she was an MD of a, of a business and, and that was inspirational, you know. I looked at her as a, as a, as a really powerful woman. Is there a part of you come an MD because she was an MD? Did you, did you have that in your mind when you became the MD that your mum was an MD? I guess I had what I had in my mind that um, and, and I suppose it, whether it's the MD thing or anything in life that she was very up for a challenge so she broke down a lot of barriers so she, in, in her industry she was one of the first women to do become a director one of the first women to become so she wasn't scared of a challenge um, of any challenges so whether it was becoming an MD because of her it's probably more deeper than that it was not shying away from the challenge of becoming an MD because she wouldn't have shied away from the challenge of being an MD inspiration um, that man yeah. yeah she she really was she was a, she was a wonderful person um you know we, we went on a lot of a lot of holidays together and um she was she was a really good person you know and worked for charities as um done a lot for um, charities a lot for children um never had children of her own um I, I never really had that conversation whether she wanted them or not or whether she was just happy with me i kind of always hoped she was just happy with me but I don't know, I don't know, because no, later on in life, I obviously went through that journey of not being able to have mm. kids. So I never really asked whether, whether they wanted any other kids and she couldn't have them or not. But, um, you know, I like to think we, I filled a bit of a hole anyway. 
So yeah, she was. What like, is your what's your relationship like with um, death now? Now sort of your mum passing and your and your best friend passing. What 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 what's your sort of relationship like with loss and death and that kind of thing? I know it's a bit deep. Sorry, Dan. No, fucking, no, it's fine. Questions just fucking fly out my head. I think um, so. I, I said to you, I was, I was an atheist, and I have a really relatively pragmatic approach to life. You know, yeah. people live, people die. I've had nans that have died and grandmas that have died, and I'm quite, I'm all right with that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you hope for the best possible outcome at the end, and you hope it's safe, and you hope it's peaceful, and and everyone has an amazing experience. I guess with my mum and my best friend, it was about the timing. They yeah. were too young. You know, my best friend was 34, and my and my and my mum was 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 50. How did your best friend die? You don't mind me. He had a brain tumor. Bloody hell. Yeah, and he was genuinely the funniest best person you know he worked in a factory he had no hairs or graces he's one probably one of the reasons i got into this industry um because during university i came back after breaking an ankle playing semi-professional football in australia and dad said you're not sitting around um, go and work in this factory until you go back to university which i did and i went in there with this, this university boy into a factory of in, in in essex with all these people doing you know simple jobs simple tasks and I was like oh, I'm really glad I, 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 this, this isn't me forever having been there for two weeks I didn't want to leave because the, the people were amazing the sort of the earth people and he was the he was the alpha male in that in that business he was hilarious like at break times everyone just galvanized towards him and sit and watch and he was he was married to the prettiest girl in, in the factory and he was so cool in this sort of really insular environment and I just pulled towards him I just like, please be my friend I just want to be around him it, and or ten years later, we you know we we just, we just carried on being friends for ten years. Um, um, best man at his wedding, and um, yeah, and any 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 past. Um, I just wondered what, what how you when when some what, how your relationship with that. Are you grateful of life? Are you? I've got everything. Or does it does it does it hit you traumatically? Where you just like it makes me question um, what I said earlier about karma because I said to you about I said to you maybe karma was the reason that I got my boy in the end yeah and I go, then the transverse that is if karma's a thing that was that should never have happened because there was n- that, that isn't fair there was no you know one of what's your little boy's name uh, my boy yeah Bowden right okay yeah so I've got Bowden and I've got Hallie yeah so I look at that and I go you know we talk about being spiritual and being you know the, the universe has got a plan and I go if it has got a plan I don't fucking like that plan because what they did to that and that family he's got a little boy called Tyler he was three at the time and I kind of go that's not a good plan then and if even if the universe has got a plan then the universe at that moment in time do one because I'm not interested in the universe's plan because whatever it did over there is not fair so I guess I guess I kind of go back and forth with it Um, anger is probably with the emotion that and, and and then massive sympathy for his wife and his young his young boy. You know, I yeah. look at my, his his young boy was the same age as my young boy is now, and I go, what my wife would be going through if that was me, or what I'd be going through if it was my wife. I just couldn't couldn't bear it. I couldn't live with my you know. So, what's my approach to it? It goes back and forth, but on that one, it was it was definitely anger. And as it's kind of gone on now, and it's a, you know you've had time to sort of like process it and stuff like that. What what is it now? Are you kind of in the moment, kind of fucking this thing could just end at any minute? Yeah, and I live am. every life with absolutely, you know, I, and that's that's one of the reasons that India is happening because I think you work really hard and you and you you know, but, but why are you working hard? Well, you're working hard to provide the best opportunities for your, your, yourself, you know, your family, your friends, um, 
and to do that you need to seize the moment sometimes you know you, if you go to work 40 hours a week 50 hours a week <coughs> and you do that 52 weeks a year well, what are you doing it for yeah we've got a house and we've got a car but I'm not I'm not bettering myself and I'm, I know so the time of the kids the time for myself to go and do things um, you need to seize the moment I've got the words take a chance tattooed on my back my wife hates it but I've got the word that I've got them on my back um, and I kind of try and take chances um, you know whether it's traveling whether it's different friendships you know different different life experiences when did you get that tattooed I got that tattooed on my stag do in Vegas um, which was seven which would be nine years ago now it was one of many reasons that we ended up calling the wedding off so it's my wife now we we called a wedding off at a wedding an amazing wedding planning Italy all family booked to go out to Italy Um, probably 50 people six weeks before we called a wedding off why why Um, I think we probably should have done it 18 weeks before I think we were young and silly and, and, and immature it was we were we were in love I don't think we ever questioned that we were in love with each other but I think in terms of what we wanted post-marriage was always going to be different. I think she wanted a family and I wanted to travel and we wanted to do different things. And we, it, it started to become a wedge between us. And what, what ended up happening is we started living these sort of separate lives, just going head first towards this wedding in Italy, kind of just going, yeah, it'd be all right in the night. And it really wasn't going to be, you know, she was the brave, I probably disconnected first, but she was the brave one. She, she said, we're not getting married. She's, she's a she's a stubborn northern girl and when she's made her mind up she's made her mind up and I was like well of course we are no we're not we're not getting married she called it and it was the best thing it was it was I said to you it was the fourth worst day and having to ring my mum up was the worst bit of it I was the wedding my mum's so scared of flying she was going to get on a plane to come to Italy for my wedding that wedding you're coming to we've just called it off and she was in tears I was in tears and we had 20 months apart um, living very different lives, very different lives. Um, but we found our way back to each other, um, probably because we had some shared finance stuff that was still going on and we had to have a, an ongoing dialogue, otherwise we probably wouldn't have spoken again. <laughs> found our way back to each other together and then we got re-engaged really quickly um, and it just felt right. We felt like different people. We felt like we'd matured a lot, like we'd been on a journey away from each other that neither of us really enjoyed ourselves in, that we were doing things that was... You know, she, she'd got into a new relationship and I was out there living the life, going to America, spending money that I didn't have, like running up bills and um, and debt and, and doing silly things. And we found our way back together and we we, we, we compromised a lot. We, we're, we're a relationship that some relationships just, you just look at and they work. You know they're going to work forever and a day. I think where we are is we're in a relationship where we know we have to work really hard at our relationship because we know we love each other. There's not, that's never a question, but we know we're also very different. And we've both got to compromise quite a lot to keep this working forever because we want it to work forever. We, we, we love each other. We still fancy each other. We've got the kids. It, it works when it works. When it works, it's the best relationship. All our friends would look at it from the outside and go, it's the best relationship of all of us. But we're conscious that we have to keep working at our relationship really hardly, you know, compromising, spending time together, doing things together because you know, she's, she's a head teacher. I'm an MD, it could be really easy to slip into that um, absent absent relationship. We don't really talk, you're sort of ships in the night. So we're really conscious of that and we try really hard that we we, we make an effort, we find time for each other, or we um, we make sure we've got holidays booked always. You know, sometimes they're a year in advance, but we, we've got them in the diary because we know that we... we so you're basically just communication all the time. It has to be, yeah. And if we slip, she's very good at calling us saying, we're slipping and, you know, 
book a meal, book a book a book a weekend away, or, yeah. or or done. Just try a bit harder. You know, you've been a bit too much on the work. You know, hold my hand when we go out. Put your arm around me. Give me a kiss. And she's always right. You know, annoyingly, but she's always yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And how would you, do you sort of like take that into your? Is it things that you learn with your wife and your family life that you implement into your business? Yeah, I think because the communication's important, isn't it? It is very important. So we, we, so one of the values that we have at work is, to, is communication. We will stand up in front of you every single month, 97 people, and we will tell you exactly where the business is because 45 of those people were in the old business that lost their jobs with no communication. Yeah. So we will stand up and we will tell you what our revenue was, where we are as a business, what our profit is. And then four times a year, we close the factory for half a day, which costs us, costs us a lot of money, right? We close the factory and we do something for all the staff whether it's playing rounders in the park or going on a treasure hunt or a scavenger hunt, we have a team day where we go and do something. Yeah. And to me, to me and you and, and to the management team, you know, it's, 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 oh, it's costing us money closing a factory for a half day. But for people that are paid, you know, close to minimum wage or, or, or working in a factory, going and doing a scavenger, scavenger thing, hunt man, is, 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 is really exciting to them. So that pulls the communication, but it also pulls the values around um, treating people how you want to be treated and making sure people everyone's got a development plan so everyone comes to work and if they want to achieve the next level in their career whether it's team leader or assembly leader or doing a qualification first aid or driver a forklift we'll work with you to get that plan and i suppose that goes back to my relationship around continue to work on it to continue to work on the people but also compromise you know the compromise is that some of these a lot of these things cost a lot of money and that comes straight off your, your, your bottom line and i'm not a communist I'm, I'm a free market i want to make profit for my stakeholders but short-term profit's easy to make. It's about doing it again and again. So we talked about the business. We talked about it's been successful year one. Who cares? It needs to be successful for year three, year four, year five. You know, creating a business year one is is relatively easy. There's a higher, yeah, there's yeah. a there's a bounce. You need to do it over and over and over again to call yourself successful. So, you know, in a joking in a bar with my mates, I'll joke and say, "Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an incredible MD." I'm very conscious that I'm not. I'm very conscious that we need to continue to learn, continue to be better. Yeah, yeah. What is um, the compromise bit when, when it comes into working with the staff and the, the people almost that you've got under from a boss? What, what, what's an example of compromise that you've had to do where? Oh, pace. I'm a, I said to you, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy and that, that comes out as to, I want everything now. So... I want this new IT system in and I want it running next week. I want that uh, that individual on that training course. I want that new bit of plant or machinery in the factory because yeah, it's the best I'm bit of kit. Like that, mate. I want it now. I'm so impatient. Yeah. And the reality is sometimes I can't have what I want. Like sometimes this IT system is going to take six, six months to come in because that's the right way of doing it for business continuity or it's the right way of doing it because of the resource that we've got or the money we've got to spend or that bit of machines in Germany and you, you can't have it for three months and I have to wait. So pace is the biggest thing for me. You know, I How do you stop yourself from like getting, you, you catch yourself at moment that yeah. oh, there's some, obviously some yeah. days are better than others, you're not much sleep and what's it, fucking things just yeah. fly out of your mouth and thinking, oh yeah. shit. Catching myself, definitely. I've done, I've done a really, um, the best thing that ever happened to me in, in the old business was, um, was private equity. Um, but they recognised that. So I was in a boardroom as a sales director. I kind of had to be in the, had to be in the boardroom because I was a sales director. But I'm surrounded by people in their 60s in, in suits, and there's me in wearing what I'm wearing as a sales director. 
And I think they um, they wanted to me they wanted me more polished. They wanted me looking like they looked because they wanted to sell the business and they wanted me to front the business from a sales perspective. And actually, they were probably a bit scared about what I would say. So they sent me on a business mentoring course, um, six weeks. So it was six six week over six weeks, twelve sessions with somebody a bit like Ryan actually, to, you know, who you talk to, and they sort of they talk to you really reflectively, and they got me thinking about perception how am i being perceived by the people in the boardroom so whatever i think of them is irrelevant but what is the perception that i want and we we got down to the, the bare bones that i'm being perceived as a mo- an emotional reactive person and i know that's in some situations it's good because it shows passion yeah, yeah, it shows yeah, energy yeah, yeah. but it doesn't show calculated thinking it doesn't show me- being methodical you know, things like that and i don't i wouldn't lie and say i've completely changed but I am very much more self-aware. So I do it much more, I do it less. And I think it's actually got more of an effect because my, my SMT know that when I'm doing it, I'm doing it because I thought about it and now I'm still gonna be emotional, I'm yeah, still yeah, gonna yeah, pace yeah, yeah, because yeah. actually I know it can happen. But it's and got all that substance behind it. Picking your battles, you know, yeah. pick, pick one out of four that you're gonna, you're gonna get emotional about, not four out of four, because otherwise, it's, it's just Dan is just having a run, you know. We yeah, can, we know we get can, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah, pace is probably the big thing for me. Yeah, it's powerful, that, isn't it? It's a real, mm. real powerful thing, not not being reactive really to, to situations. It really is. I think I've got tools of these sort of like, do you do to, to do that? Do you, I mean, someone was talking to me the other day about like, just doing that with your finger, just to sort of center yourself again, if you are feeling that, just to snap yourself out of it. Do yeah. you, have you got any tools like that that you use? Yeah, so um, I've, got, I've got probably two. Um, one of them is, um, is, is, to, is to walk. So we have, a, we have a meeting room and I very rarely, so they're all sat down in the meeting room. I very rarely sit down because actually I feel that I, if I'm sat down, I'm, I'm getting more, I can feel myself getting more frustrated by what's being said. I can feel myself getting more hot under the collar. So yeah. I stand up and I'll just, I'll stretch my legs and I walk around the boardroom and I'll, I'll kind of look out the window and just take that 10 seconds to reflect on what I'm about to say and, and think about whether it's worth it. Do I really care if it's two days late? Do I really care? Is that, is that the battle to pick? Yes, it is. Then I'll go in. The other one is I have this kind of inner monologue. That's the right word to say. Yeah, talking to yourself. Yeah, I do. You know, I do a little bit. I, t- I kind of, um, you know, wherever I, when I, I drive an hour and a half into work and an hour and, an hour and a half home. And a lot of that times on, on, on the phone to the wife talking about our days. But when I'm not on the phone, it's almost replaying conversations and how I would have handled it differently. And almost in my head, talking them out again, you know, talking about my answers, how they would be different. That's spirituality, that, mate. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. I just want to get this message out to people that it is, they see you are a spiritual person, do you? <laughs> just don't get put off by these woo-woo Wendy's and Crystal Ken's, because it's, 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 that's not spirituality. No. It's talking to yourself and just having a word with yourself and asking yourself, why was I feeling like that? And yeah. how can I handle it better next time? And getting a balance and an holistic approach, it's just like... Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it is spirituality. I guess you're right. And it's it, it's quite powerful, you know. I, I, I It's powerful, that, mate. Really is, powerful. Yeah. If I'm going to, to have that in the dialogue. Yeah, and sometimes it's, it's proactive as well as, as, as reactive. So sometimes I'll do it. If I'm going into a situation where I know that I need to 
behave or be perceived in a certain way. So whether I'm going in to meet my investors or whether I'm going into a be told off by a customer because we've done something wrong and my you know, customer tells ninety percent of the time when we do something wrong, it's because the customer done something wrong first and we've tried to and my instant reaction to that would be you've up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually it's not gonna do me any good because yeah. they're the customer. So I go through that conversation that you're gonna have with me as the customer and how I'm gonna to react to it. So you can call me a what you want and I'm still gonna sit there and I'm still gonna take it because I've practiced that conversation. And it is powerful and it, and it actually for me it works yeah for me who put the values in place in your business who, who put those in place and how, how do you so I wrote them and then my op- how did you know you needed to do that um because of what you heard before or something or well no because we, we, because we we sat down when, we, when I sat down and decided to recreate the business a big thing about it was looking at what the old business had done wrong and a lot of that came down to how communication and um, treating people and yeah. various things various things and the upshot of that is well okay we, we, we know what's bad so how do we do that better so they almost wrote themselves because part of the business plan was taking what was bad and making them better and you kind of it was almost sat there going well these these are if we stick to our knitting these are our values these this is what we want to be so why would we not turn them into values and, t- and then tell everyone in the business? Tell what, everybody. Yeah. So why, why keep it to myself and go, yeah. like, this is what I want to be? If I tell everybody, then I'm accountable for that. Yeah. And then I've got them up on the wall and, and I can be pulled back to them every day. You know, you're not doing this or you're not doing that. You're right, I'm not. And then, because if you, if you do it on a daily basis, you never get that far off the path. Whereas if you're doing it once a year at once a yearly yeah, meeting, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you're asking, your, you're asking your stakeholders what they think of you once a year, it could be too late. But if they're up on the wall for everyone to see, and they go, "Well, you said you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do this," and I didn't think you did that today. But you know what? You're right. I didn't. You can get yeah. back on track really quickly. It's all right having values, but like, if your your brand values don't match your brand behaviours, exactly, and that, exactly. and that's the trick in it. Yeah. It's, it's it's making sure the the your your actions, you know, because yeah. talk's just talking it. You're it not really walking is. it. It's so easy to talk yeah. and talk. You know, best salespeople in the world can can you know. Can, can talk the talk yeah. but then it's, 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 it's so powerful for businesses aren't they it's, it's setting a set of brand values but also setting a, a set of brand behaviours to to attach to those values as yeah. well and, and you need to keep refreshing your memory and, and you might need to update them sometimes they sometimes they go out of date and sometimes yeah. they need to change but the core principle is about respect communication treating people how you want to be treated um, honesty you make a mistake, you make a mistake. We all make mistakes. Right? So if you put something, the wrong thing in the box or whether you put the wrong zero in the P&L, own it. Own it and we fix it together. That's one of the values is honesty and integrity. And I think that's really important as well because really I think important. you have a culture of fear. Not throwing anybody under the bus. Booking, no. well, come on. Put Air it. We're yeah. here to help each other. I've seen so many businesses do witch hunters and they try to blame yeah. someone. I'm just like, come Absolutely. on, fucking team, man. Absolutely. If you if you want to blame someone, if you've got someone in your business that's not there, not performing and not and, and constantly there's a conversation to be had there's an education there's performance management and and ultimately if the, if you've got somebody in the business that's not performing there's an exit right we're not we're not we're not communists we, we we have a business that but you don't have a culture of fear you know people make genuine mistakes genuine genuine mistakes are fine attitudes much more important oh yeah if you come into work and you want to do a good job and you want to get down and and and, and add value to the business and you're a critical thinker there's a role for you and if you make a mistake we fix it because I make all mistakes every day yeah. I really do so you ask me who wrote the values I wrote the values they would have had 54 spelling mistakes in them and grammar mistakes so I give them out and then people make them make them better you know my I make them all I make so many mistakes 
but I know my intentions are good and I'm always trying to do the right thing. I'm always yeah. trying to add value. And, and, and if I surround the business with good people in the same mindset, will be a super good business. If you've got negativity, if you've got poor culture, they're gonna, you know, what it takes one bad person, one person yeah. with a negative attitude to infect 10 and then you've, you, you, you're done. Yeah, that's what I mean, I always say to people, you know, people come in, they're looking for a logo, they're looking for a website. I'm just like, oh my fucking God. And I'm like, before you do that, you need to set out your brand values, your brand vision, your brand mission, your brand purpose. Make sure all those are aligned yeah, yeah, yeah. before you get before you get the visual side of it. Yeah. Because identity identity is not what you look like; it's who you are inside, Absolutely. and that's how you get the best cultural fit for Absolutely. people that work with you. I walked in here today, and I was I was twenty minutes early. I hate being late, but I was twenty minutes early, and so I sat I sat out there and. Every single person, every single person who I met, walked out for the first time, said, hello, how are oh, you? Amazing, mate. It was lovely. Like, you go, these people are like, every, you're, you're surrounded by people that clearly, clearly want to be here. Yeah. I sat out there talking to Betty yeah. for 20 minutes. Great conversation. Lovely conversation. And it actually made me feel so much better about coming in here. It loosened me up and I, I really was nervous. And you could tell just within 20 minutes that everyone here wants to be here. And that's a really, got to be a testimony to the leadership team here. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. I just fucking, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I know how to look after people and, and make them feel valued. And, you know, I just, you know, Sean and Charlotte working on little projects at the minute for something. I'm really excited for them to work on it and, like, kind of get it done. It's just like, I don't see, I don't like the word boss. And I don't, no, I just I don't like, mean. I just, I we're all in this together. And we're all working towards... You know, it's not a fucking navy ship where someone's getting bummed in a barrel. It's kind of a pirate ship where we're all working together and we have a, a share of the bounty when we kind of get it. Absolutely, I love that. Yeah. I'm still that way. Away. You I'm can have it, mate. It's not really mine. <laughs> it's anybody's, but it, it is that, isn't it? It's like, I, 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 I believe, you know, Stanch has always like said it to me about like titles and, you know, I, I do believe in not having titles, but there's still got to be a hierarchy. Yeah. For the what's in it, like if you're captain on a ship and whatever, but we're all in this together, man. Let's fucking yeah. let's chart our own path, man. And captain can eat in the mess all yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely, yeah. because some of the best ideas can come from anywhere yeah, in business. Um, and if you get arrogant enough to think that that that, that captain tag is is it means anything other than you're you you, you take the flag for everyone else's yeah, mistake, yeah, yeah. then then you're in the wrong game. You know, yeah. you shouldn't be a leader because leadership is is about setting setting the task, setting the tone, setting the culture and then letting people flourish. You know, if you're having to micromanage every little bit, every little thing, and you're having to oversee and apply pressure to people because you don't think they're doing a good job, you're not doing a good job. Yeah, just, it's not about being the best, it's just about doing your best. I'm not, yeah. after all, we're the best fucking, it's just, I think it's just nonsense, that bestness. Surround yourself not, with good people. Yeah. And, you know, you, you will achieve amazing things. Yeah. I know. want Gaz to be better than me, I want Shah to be better than it me. Makes your life easier, right? Yeah, fucking right. It makes your life easier. Why would I want to kind of, like, stifle that fucking girl? I just see too many businesses doing it, like, I know why Stanley has got the podcast, you just think exactly like we do, and it's it's refreshing, mate, and I love getting this out to other small businesses, because it's, re it's really, really important. They get it wrong, um, and they think they should have an authoritarian approach and you know telling people what to do but it's like no nah, you don't want to do that no i mean like, the, the ones i've listened to you've had some really cool guests on though like some, some the, the, the ones i've listened to they seem to get it right whether they're whether they're in small businesses the stories they've got to tell yeah. um is it Sir, Sir yeah yeah Sir, that, i listened to that one on the way yeah. up last night 
Such a cool the story. Mate, mate. Such a cool story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like loved it. You know, done work, worked nothing to do with food. Spent work, life working in retail. Yeah. Had a passion for something, and then went and done it. Started off, wasn't sure. I was going, and I loved that story. It's like really inspirational. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're doing a great job getting it out there to people. Like it's really interesting, and you've you've definitely got an. Habit. What's what's next for you in your business then? What's what's next for Dan? What's next for the business? What have you what have you got coming up? Um, well, we're gonna go we're gonna go into year three, um, and year three for us was about growth. So year one was about do we have a business? Is it can we can we actually pay our wages? And can <laughs> yeah. we, can we, have we got anything that anyone wants? Year two, which is this year, was about a move. So we're we're from we we. We're in 130,000 square foot of manufacturing space in Stratford, East London. And our rent was coming to an end. Our rent, rental period was coming to an end. And the rent was going to go from 800,000 to 2.6 million a year. Nice. And it's not a space for our business. It was yeah. it was too big anyway. You know, Boohoo and Amazon are looking at that space. That's the type of space it was for, you know, a warehouse in London. So we knew we had to move this year. So we identified a space. We've done a huge piece of work about finding the right size, where out, where we would keep all of our staff, because where was it travelable, versus the economics. So being in London is expensive. I could be in Essex, I could go further north and I could save myself hundreds of thousands of pounds a year, yeah. but I'd lose 10%, 20%, 30% of the staff, all of the staff. So we've done a huge amount of work on what the right thing to do was this year. Completed the move in July, so that it was it's a factory, so it's got various complex complexities around stuff that I think floor loading and gas and electric stuff that I never thought I'd have to think about. We've done that in July, so it's it's up and running. And yesterday we sat in budgeting meetings um, with my SMT for twenty twenty four, and we created the budget for net for that for next year, and it's about growth. We want to push the business on. We're all you know we're ambitious for the business for all stakeholders, so. Over the last two years, we've kept the tap off. We haven't really done any marketing. We haven't really done any proactive selling. We've just worked with the core customers that put their faith in us day one. Yeah. Whereas next year, you know, we've 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 earned our stripes. We've we've paid our dues. You know, we the old business left some scars in the industry that we had to write. So like we've done that now, so we can we can try and push the business on. Going back to the values though, one of the values is sustainable growth. So I don't want a million pound order from someone as a one hit wonder. You know, just one, to sell your soul out. Exactly that. Yeah. And I want to chase turnover. I've chased turnover in the old business from yeah. 12 to 30. I want sustainable growth that I can, we can make, we can do well. We want to do it. People everything. chase turnover too much, don't they? It's irrelevant. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a fake yeah. number. Yeah. You know, you could, you could do, we were doing 30, losing three. I did 14 and made 1.4 last year. And you kind of go, well, I wasn't breaking my back doing 30. Is it relevant? Like, yeah. you know, even, even um, you know, gross margin is, is, you know, you want to concentrate on margin. But even margins, you can massage margin. Yeah. It's about that bottom right number. That's yeah. the only thing that matters. Yeah. And how you got there and the journey you got there and being, you know, are you uh, are you a business that's acting in, in its interest for all stakeholders? So you can make that bottom right number really sexy, but are you paying your staff a fair wage? So we started off paying our staff, some of the staff minimum wage, and we said, actually, I don't want to do that. I want to be at the bottom end of the barrel. So we pay all of our staff 15% above minimum wage as, as the, the base rate. Um, you know, various things like that. Because you, you want to be profitable, and I absolutely do. But I, for me, the values and the story and the journey and all of the nice stuff make you more profitable if you do it well. Agreed. Rather than just tone that number down. Agreed, mate. You know. Yeah. Well, um... What's the one thing that you've learned from the redundancy bit? The, the, I can't even 
empathise with that? I can't even put myself in your situation. What what have you learned from that? What was the biggest lesson? I think it's I think it, it, it's probably a combination of, of stuff we've spoken about. Is is where do we how do we get there? Where well, we got there because we were chasing revenue. We were chasing turnover to try and get this business to a number because that number was the pinnacle. Because other people wanted to sell the business on a turnover number and make a load of money for themselves. And and, and the other thing is they, they were all surprised. So 180 people came into came into the meeting. They weren't expecting it because we didn't talk to them about how the business was doing. So we we was we were living and breathing it every day, looking at not 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 paying the bills and suppliers calling up and saying, "Well, where's my money? I'm going to go out of business." But they were oblivious to that. Yeah. So we learned two things: is one is around again, you don't chase that number at the top right; you chase the bottom right number. You chase your you chase your profitability. Um, we learn to be responsible so we speak to our suppliers we tell them where we are um, we tell them what we want from them um, and we talk to our, our staff every month religiously every month about what the business has done what the story is what our recruitment plans look like if we're going to have a, a, a weak month you know we, we're going to have a poor month and we're not going to do the ice cream on a Friday we're going to we're gonna have to be a bit tired this month because actually this, this project's moved out three months so we're honest you know we had a we had a very good year, having a good year this year, but you still have months that are, are tighter than other yeah. months. And when that happens, we tell you. Why has it happened? Well, Marks and Spencer's wonderful customer, but they've got a, they're building a store in Leeds, White Rose, where we put one of our projects, and it's gone back a month because they can't get the plumbing in. Okay, that's great, but that means we can't invoice three hundred grand. Okay, oh. we have to adapt to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we tell our staff that. Amazing, Dan. <clears throat> Amazing. It's massive that mate. The communication. It's one thing that you know we just like just being vulnerable in the staff and just telling them where, where they're at as well. It's a great word. Vulnerable is a great word. I think you have to look, I think you have to be that. I think, yeah. you, I think if you try and look like you're determined and you've got all the answers and you're going to absorb all the bullets, people are too clever. They see for it. Yeah. It's, you know, you come back to what you're saying about you and your wife and like if you two are struggling, but you're struggling on your own and the other person doesn't know that you're actually struggling and I've got a problem with something that you've done. It's just going to blow up at some point, isn't it? Really it is. It really does. Yeah. And it's like, you've got to keep communicating how you're feeling and, you know, to get through it, to get through it together. Yeah, because, I mean, it is, it is cliche, but it is absolutely a partnership. And you know, the, re the whole reason that you, you get married or you have partners is, is to share the pains and share, share the upside and share the downside together. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Like, if you're in a marriage or a, or a long-term relationship or a relationship, what is the point of that if it isn't to share the absolute pinnacles of life or... or, or, or life's challenges you know if you try and compartmentalize and in internalize all these day-to-day -day challenges you're going to end up resenting each other because you end up blaming that person oh my life would be easier without you and yeah. actually I had a really bad day at work today yeah and i just want to go home and even if you tell her why you want to go home and lay on the sofa and watch the sport yeah. i want a quiet night tonight i don't want to make the dinner i'm going to order a pizza and watch the football i'll have a night where i'm just do me she gets it she has an incredibly stressful job, you know. I can't comprehend the the, the different. You know, are we working in completely yeah, different, different space? environment that she's in? Right? Um, you know, she oh, works in the, in the, in the public sector yeah. with budgets getting cut, and there's yeah, me going tape everywhere. Yeah. And so I ring her up, and she goes, "How was your day?" And I go, uh, "Yeah, my bit of wood didn't go out on time today. I've had a really bad day. How was your day?" He goes, "Well, I've I've had a a, a, child, a kid that's been abused by his mum, and he's been taken into care." And I go, "Yeah, you win. You know, my problems are insignificant to." Yeah. hers but also out there in the industry so I guess perspective is also important right so 
when I think about a bad day, it's all relative to my work, but actually in comparison in to what everyone else is exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got doctors and nurses and, 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 and people in hospices and, 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 and people in care houses doing, you know, really, really tough days. It's another, it's another good mindful check that, isn't it? It is. Another good mindful check that to kind of go, does this really matter? Yeah. Is this really? Yeah. Right, so just before we end this, mate, right, let me just ask you this question. Do you ever look in the mirror and say that you're proud of yourself? for what you've accomplished I look in the mirror and think I'm getting fatter greyer and bolder a lot not what you look at, not what you look like but who you are no probably I probably don't I, prob- I probably rely on other people's validation more than my own validation um, and that probably comes from I'm aware as a, as a salesman and, 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 in, and in certain circumstances as a, as a, with a, of a faux arrogance and I call it a faux arrogance, it's a front arrogance. You know, when you work in sales, you've got to have a little bit of a persona. You've got to look like, you've got to look like you're always successful. So, but it is absolutely fake. You know, it's a front. So I think I look to the people in my work, people at home, friends to say, you know, you're doing really well. Um, rather than me, because I, I think... I've done that in sales, and I've done it, and I've, I've sold, you know, I've sold a million pound deal. Well, look at me, how amazing am I? Who really cares? Actually, what I want is I want that validation from others. I think. But have you not looked at as in like look at the culture you created and the business that you created and the lies that you changed? I'm not talking about sales here or yeah. growing the business. It's very difficult, isn't it, to kind of what is success really? Yeah, it is. I think... What is it? And I don't think it's not attached to money for me. I consider myself as successful. But from another point of view, well, you don't earn millions of pounds. You're not a millionaire. I'm just like, but, you, but that's not success to me. No, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be a millionaire, no matter, unless I win the lottery. Because I think, I think there's... And I'm not disparaging millionaires because there are some amazing ones out there. But the one, the majority of the ones I've met there's an element of narcissism and there's an element of so you know being a bit of a sociopath. You need to you need to be a. But is, is that what you think if you look in the mirror and say you're proud of yourself that you're being a narcissist? I guess a little bit. Right, yeah, okay. I guess a little bit because I I don't I try I, I, about the culture you've created the cult, the business you've created and I kind of go well maybe but I always use we I try and always if I I often say oh, I and I always correct myself. It, no, it has to be I a do we. That. I do that. Um, and, cause, and I say to my, my staff, um, if I ever say I, I don't mean I. It's a slip of the tongue. Yeah. I always think about we. So I guess I'm really, really proud of the business we created. I'm really, really proud of the culture we created. I'm very much aware that my vision means zero. It was not worth the paper it was written on without six people day one and now the 97 people day 600. It, it, it was a, it was a we and it continues to be a we mm-hmm. and they've gone above and beyond the plan they've succeeded the, the, the wildest expectations and they've bought into it so I guess I'm proud of the plan but I'm really proud of the the we that that that, that we have all done as a collective rather than I've done because there's days when I I think I've got imposter syndrome I don't know what I'm doing here you know I don't know if I deserve to be an MD you know I've I've been out for a, been out for lunch. Do do NDs go out Man, for lunch? How I've got your business, I've not got a clue. Is it? It's to be honest, it is a testament to my business partner. But again, it comes back to 
the communication that me and him have had and like going through that all again. But it's I'm just like, I do not know I've got my own fucking business because like I'm just like fucking in my twenties and stuff. Like, yeah, exa- exactly that. And you know, I but so am I, I am I proud? I, if I look if I look at what we have done, I'm really proud of what we have done as, yeah. as a as a group of individuals that have come together through through some serious adversity and we've got a business that we we are very proud of yeah. and it's doing it is doing some seriously good stuff you know it's yeah. working with some amazing brands brands that you know are at the top of their game and, and are really trying to push the boundaries of retail and I'm really proud of that um but it's it's it is a we thank you mate Appreciate it's all right. Oh, fucking all right. You sure? I feel like. Oh my god. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Goodbye.